Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You are our epistle written in our hearts, Paul says, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, our hearts. In other words, every single one of us is a living letter, a living epistle. The word epistle means letter. People are reading the gospel according to you. Not the gospel according to John. Not the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But the gospel according to you, I told you some time ago, I I think I mentioned this from the pulpit, that when my children were small, um, I used to tell them, like if I wanted some of their ice cream, I would say, Jesus says share. (laughs) And they would go, okay. (laughs) You know how kids are, selfish little children. And uh, so, you you know, you, you want some of their sandwich or something, you know, I would always say this, Jesus says share. And they would go, did he? I go, yeah, Jesus share. Give me some. <laughs> so I would do that often. And, and, and one day, um, Rodney Jr. came up to me, and this was like well into his years, okay? I'm talking up in the, probably I'd say up in the early 20s. He came to me, okay. He said I wasn't right. I knew I was. Um, he came to me and said, Dad, Jesus didn't say share. That's not in the Bible. I said, I never said it was in the Bible. I just said it's something Jesus said to me. (laughs) I never said that. It's not in the Bible. I said, no, it's not in the Bible. And Jesus said, share is not in the Bible, but it's true, isn't it? And people may never read the Bible, but they're reading your life from cover to cover. And listen, that's not in the Bible either, but it's true. Truth is, Christians, we don't represent the president. We don't represent the governor. We don't represent a senator. We are called to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Am I right about it? That's who we represent. We're examples to the world, and we are ambassadors of Christ. And why can't we get that? And I don't care where, you, where your walk is in your life, where you are in the workplace, in school, no matter what you do, you are an example. And people don't listen to what you say. People listen to what you do. People follow what you do. Example is everything. You know, I chat with that about the staff, pastors often. Our example is important because people are not listening to what you say. They're watching what you do, how you behave, how you respond. And Jesus knew that. That's why he came to earth. Don't you understand? He could have saved us any way he chose to. 
He could have saved us a thousand different ways. He could probably come up with a million different ways. He could have saved us. He didn't have to leave heaven, come down to the earth, put on flesh. Somebody needs to be saying that's right, pastor. Put on flesh, take on the form of a servant, wash people's feet. Amen and amen. He didn't have to do all that. He could have saved us a myriad of ways, but he came down. Why? Because of example. For God demonstrate. I'll wait while you clap your hands. Yes, I will. For God demonstrated example. His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he came to give us an example. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he did that by taking on flesh and becoming an example. So we have uh, 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 an example before our eyes because he knows we don't get it. I love to be brain. We just don't get it. We need something before. At least I do. I'm a visual learner. Amen. I'm a visual learner. I need to see it. Jesus came down so you could see it. And you can live your life and pattern after him. And where do you see his life? Read it in the Gospels. Hear it in the Old Testament. But we have that example in Christ. That's the point. Look at verse 21. We got to move forward. After Jesus said this, he was, in verse 21, when he said these things, he was what, saints? Troubled in his spirit. He was troubled in his spirit. Jesus was troubled by betrayal, if you're taking notes. Troubled by Judas. Troubled for Judas, troubled for the cross. Jesus was deeply troubled, emotionally stirred in his spirit by this. And then he said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. In verse 22, the disciples looked at each other perplexed. They didn't know who it was. Matthew chapter 26, you might want to read that in your own time. It tells us the disciples began to say, is it I? Am I the one? Interesting. I find this interesting every time I read it. It is interesting that the disciples, when Jesus said, there is one who will betray me, it is fascinating to me that the disciples started saying, is it I? Is it me? And that's totally different than what we would do. If I said to you right now, um, someone in this sanctuary now will betray me, you would probably start looking down the aisle. (laughs) Honey, is it you? You would look to someone else. They looked at themselves and said, is it I? The disciples realized something we all need to realize. And what's that, Pastor? There's a little traitor in all of us. Amen. There's a little traitor in all of us. The disciples had a healthy distrust of themselves. And I don't care how spiritual you are. And I don't care, uh, you know, where you think you are in Christ. The flesh is fallen and weak. And the Bible says don't put any confidence in it, okay? The flesh is fallen and weak, and you're still going to have to deal with it. So there's a little traitor in all of us. Look at verse 23 and 24. John tells us he is the disciple that Jesus loved. I love that. John just wants to be clear to the other disciples that Jesus loves me more than you guys. I am a disciple that Jesus loved. Y'all might want to recognize. <laughs> you got to wonder, 
what it was like for John. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible or I'm preparing to teach, I try to get myself in the story or maybe get myself in that person's head. Okay? So what was it like for John to be laying on the bosom of Jesus, chest, bosom of Jesus, and to hear the heartbeat of God? Maybe he's laying it. Maybe he could still smell the spike bar that the woman poured over and soaked up all his clothes. That smell is pungent and is not going away quick. Right? So maybe he can still smell that. He's laying on the chest of Jesus. John's sitting on the right, as I mentioned. Judas is on the left. Both these seats are the place of honor. Peter was seated down the table just a little bit. Think of that picture. Jesus was, Peter was seated down the table a little bit. And Peter, you got to love him. Curiosity has killed him. He wants to know who is it. He motions to John. I don't know, did y'all ever get this? He wants to know who is it. So he motions to John to ask Jesus who it is. So Peter, I absolutely love Peter. I really do. I think Peter is most like most people. Y'all say amen. Y'all trying to act holy in church. I know you are just like Peter. Worse. So Peter, he looks at John. He says, John, ask him who is it. We didn't know who it is. They might want to betray me too. I didn't know who it is. That's it. Ask him. John's like, no. Not now. And John says, is it I? Is it me? Lord, who is it? They want to know it's them. I think it's just interesting they look back on themselves. Jesus said, it's the one I will give a piece of bread after I dipped it. Did you get that? That's in verse uh, 26. Jesus said, it's the one who I give bread. The King Jimmy, if you're reading the King Jimmy, it says this, doesn't it? Jesus answered, it is he or he it is to whom I shall give sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Are you reading the King James Version? Is that what it says? Yep. Sop. Sop. Now, what is sop? Well, sop is made of bitter herbs. Vinegar, salt, mushed fruit, dates, figs, raisin, and water. Sop was like hummus. Um, I can't, I can't, I hate hummus. I, I, I do not like hummus. Who likes hummus? Raise your hand if you like hummus. I can't, all services, most of the people like hummus. I hate hummus. Who doesn't like hummus? Who's with me? Godly, holy people. Yes. Love the Lord. I know you do. I don't know why I can't. Hummus, I mean, my, my family loves it. We were out at this Mediterranean restaurant like two Fridays ago or something, and my kids got hummus. They're like, Dad, you got to try this. You got to eat this. I'm like, that stuff looks awful. I don't know. People love it, though. People love hummus. And so this sop was like a hummus. And what in terms of you know, consistency and texture and that kind of thing. And so what they would do is take a piece of unleavened bread 
and they would take the unleavened bread and kind of, you know, gather up the hummus and they would eat it or the sop and they would eat it. Sop was an offering of friendship, something you did with someone you love. So Jesus, in a kind gesture of love toward Judas, dips the sop and gives it to Judas, who is sitting at his left. Jesus is doing everything he can. Are y'all getting this? He's doing everything he can to show Judas that he loves him. Because grabbing up that sop and handing it in that culture, everybody completely understood that this was an act of friendship. This is like um, like um, uh, an olive branch. Like an olive branch. You know, you give an olive branch as, you know, peace or friendship or something like that. Or offering sop to someone and you have taken it yourself and given it to them was a way of saying uh, the door is open for fellowship and friendship and I love you. Jesus is trying to give Judas every opportunity to get his heart right and repent. But and if, G- if Judas had taken this opportunity and repented, I believe he would be saved. But he didn't. He didn't. The Bible says any man that comes to God, he will in no way cast, the, cast aside. The Bible says if, 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 if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Amen. Amen. If anybody comes to Jesus, he's going to forgive them. He's going to cast away their sin. The Bible says he'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, so shall your sin be far away from God. So if he had called on God or if he had repented then or shown some remorse then, This is his opportunity, and might I add, his last opportunity. Don't you understand that God will stop calling you after he has called you and called you and called you, and you refuse to open that door? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, he will come in. But there will be a point, there can come a point, where God stops calling. And that's why the Bible says today not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Why? Because God's knocking now. God's knocking today. Is that right? He's knocking today, and he wants you to be saved today. And so here, even in handing Judas that sop, he's saying, Judas, I love you. I want you to be saved. It was an act of friendship and an act of fellowship and to communicate how much he loved Judas. In verse 27, look at verse 27. After the piece of bread, very sad, Satan entered him. Now listen, I wrote this in my margin. There's an eternity in this verse. There's an eternity in this verse. This statement is one of the most devastating, destroying, crushing statements you'll ever read in your life. Then Satan entered him. Judas had been deceived and hoodwinked and tripped by Satan. The devil had already put it in his heart to betray Jesus, and now Satan takes over his entire inside. Satan moved right in. And then Jesus said, what you do, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. But no one at the table except Judas knew what Jesus was talking about. Look at verse 29. The disciples thought because Jesus had, because Judas, pardon me, had the money box that Jesus was talking about shopping for the feast or giving money to the poor. And Jesus said, the one who betrays me is identified by me giving him bread and giving him sop. Jesus said, the one that I give sop. So watch this. John asked the question, 
um, you know, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Now, obviously, listen to this. Stay with me. Obviously, Jesus said that in John's ear. Or he said that um, softly or privately or whispered it and John heard it. Obviously, John heard it. He's recording it as many, many years before. John's 90 now. So he's writing this down many years you know, before, this story many years before. So maybe John, maybe he whispered in John's ear or maybe uh, he said it softly. But the reason I know that is because the other disciples didn't hear it. Did you get that out of verse 29? For some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So the disciples thought Jesus said, go buy something for the feast or give something to the poor. They didn't know what he said. John said he said, the one that I'm going to give sop to, that's the one who's betraying me. So, Jesus either said this privately to John or softly, but the other disciples did not hear it. Well, after, look at verse 30. After he took the bread, Judas ran out of the room, and it was night. Now, where did he go? Probably to the Sanhedrin to get his money and finalize the deal. But listen, when Judas got up and walked out, he also finalized his destiny. He also committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What's that? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is just what I was talking about before, where you harden your heart and you deny the Lord and you continue to deny the Lord and you say no to Christ. There there will come a day when you will not even be able to say yes because your heart is so hard. And if you die not knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that is the ultimate unpardonable sin. Do you understand that the unpardonable sin is not those who smoke and chew and go with girls who do? (laughs) Amen. Now, I'm not telling you all to go out and go with girls who do or smoke or chew. Don't take that away. But what I'm saying is that that's not the unpardonable sin. Some people think the unpardonable sin is things that you do. No, the unpardonable sin is who you reject. You reject. I'm right about it, saints. It's who you reject. And if you reject Christ, well, when you die, then the ultimate rejection, Christ, you cannot be saved. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And Judas has turned away from love for the last time. And now his doom is finalized. So not only is his destiny finalized or he went to finalize the deal, but his doom is finalized. So Judas has crossed the line. Salvation is closed and Jesus is done with it. He says, what you do, go and do it quickly. And notice the last four words of verse 30. And it was night. You see that? And it was night. He went out into the night. This is more than physical night. It's an eternal night. It was night in Judas' heart and soul. It's always night when a man goes out of the presence of the Lord, isn't it? It's night. And that's why walking in humility is important. That's why this chapter is important. And walking in humility is important. Because when you walk in humility, you stay low. You stay in the place of need for God. You stay in the place of being dependent on God. And when you need God and are dependent on God, 
God will draw you near. But when you say, I got this and I don't need God, well, you move toward the night. You move toward the dark heart and the dark soul. I told you that there's one condition of the heart that God will resist. And what is that? Pride. Pride. First Peter 5, 5, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I told you a couple of weeks ago that pride drives a wedge between you and God. Pride destroys nations. Pride destroys marriages. Pride destroys family. Pride destroys moms and dad. Pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before fall. Proverbs 16, 18. So God wants us to be humble. God wants us to serve one another. To be a blessing to one another. You know, if you don't go to this church, when you get back home, get involved in your church. People here, if you've been coming to this church for more than a year, get involved in the church. You'll find that there's joy in serving other people. You will. I think I'm right about that. And somebody once gave this very simple yet profound acronym. JOY. J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. J-O-Y. I love that. And when you have joy, that's because you're experiencing the grace of God, right? Here's another acronym, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. Joy. You have joy in serving other people. I still don't understand. It is a pervasive problem among Churches in the U.S. largely. Why is it so difficult? It's not just here either. Why is it so difficult to get people involved in children's ministry and get them to serve in the church? But specifically children's ministry. I don't understand that. When in fact, the kids, we need to be a blessing to the children. We need to love it. As I said earlier, uh, if, if you teach them now and get them rooted in Christ now and get them in a place where they know the Lord now, again, you can build less prisons. So children's ministry is important. And why do we have a problem with all churches? Not just this one, all churches. It doesn't matter how large you are or how small you are. All churches have a problem with getting people involved in children's ministry. I remember this one time I asked a lady, um, hey, you should get involved in children's ministry. She goes, oh, I'm not in the children. I'm just not in the kids. I said, Really? I said, you got kids? She said, yeah. I said, how many you got? She said, eight. (laughs) I said, you ain't in the kids. Well, somebody in the kids. You ain't in the kids, but you got eight of them. Hold on. There's something I write about that. And not only that, but you don't need to be in the kids to obey God. And, And granted, it may not be in the children's ministry, but it can be somewhere where you can, where many members yet one body. So we all have our place to be. I, you know, I used to be in children's ministry. Loved it. I loved it. I used to sing songs with the kids and do all kinds of fun stuff, things that I probably will not tell you. And, and just crazy stuff we used to have fun with the kids. And we used to do plays and stuff like that. And uh, I want to tell you this so bad, but I will not. Um, or maybe I will. You guys remember Salty? People are going like, tell us, tell us. Um, do you remember Salty, the songbook? Do you guys remember Salty? You do remember Salty. Okay, most people don't know, so I'll just tell you two later, okay? Um, we had fun, plays with the kids and things of that nature. And um, 
It's a blessing. Serving in the children's ministry is a blessing. Um, serving the church is a blessing. Obeying God is a blessing. And we need to serve one another and be an example to one another. And be a blessing to each other. I hope that uh, you can, even today, talk about being a blessing to each other. I hope that you can come to the baptism today. And um, you might not know anybody there being baptized. But just because we are one body and many members, we come to love and support our brothers and sisters. Is that right? So I'll wait while you clap your hands. That's true. And um, let's obey God's word and be a blessing to each other and serve one another and walk in humility. This is the point of chapter 13. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.